right, let's throw this dude and fucking black PJs in there and let's get out. If all he did was a flip, <clears throat> even that would have caught them off guard. They would have been like, we don't know how to handle this. Yeah. But then, like, seconds later, he puts his hand up and a fucking laser sword shows up. Yeah, like, hand. none of those dudes have ever from? seen it's like anything like that. It's like he reached like up that. to the heavens and it, like, because nobody saw where it came from. Yeah. He just reaches up and it lands in his hand. They're like, oh, he's a god. <laughs> Seriously. Because he takes a long time to grab it, look at it, wink, spark, <laughs> and then, and then, only, and only then, does somebody I, swing at him. Actually, doesn't he look at it and kind of like smile? Like he's like, yeah. He's like, this is going to make everybody come. Did you guys read the, there's, there was something online a couple weeks ago about making about putting this putting it together that Luke really goes to the dark side by the end of Jedi. No. Where no, was, was that by the same lunatic that said Jar Jar Binks is the real evil master of the Star Wars side? My, I don't know. I'll, I'll have to find it. My brother-in-law just so sent me that link. My brother sent me that link, well, not just an hour ago, but he's like, watch the video, you'll be convinced. And I'm like, you're a retard. A must-read changes the game, gents. There may very well be an entire podcast episode dedicated to this article. Mm, Probably not, no. RJ. Probably not. No, it's a Jar Jar article. I guess that's what he's talking no, about. The I haven't read article. it. So. Tom yeah, sent me the other one. And the, it, like, the Jar Jar article? Jar Jar article. Parts of it kind of sort of make sense, but that's just not that's just not how it's the story goes. No. All right. Yeah, like I, I love that scene, but there are parts of it like the phantom kick where I'm just like which one well, I've I've never broken it down quite like that to watch it either. like frame by frame I didn't, <laughs> it's I didn't, pretty funny yeah like I never picked that up frame by frame I just picked that up after watching it but like little stuff like that and how like it takes Luke just a little too long for that lightsaber to get to his hand I feel like he's like Duh. well when he grabs it he looks at it like you know that's your lightsaber <laughs> That's true. <clears throat> yeah. I'll fucking... I'll fucking... Man, and, you know, I really didn't put so, it together that Lando sucked at his job there so badly. Didn't do anything right. Didn't do a thing right. He, he infiltrates... He, yeah, well, what he does... He was like, there. He does, he does everything up to that point right. He infiltrates the palace. He becomes part of the guard. You know, he's doing... He's doing all that right. But when it's go time... He falls off the fucking skiff. <laughs> he can't handle one skiff guard... Those dudes, Lando. we saw those dudes. They all look like they had indigestion. They suck. That you guy, should be ready to fucking tear some shit up, Lando. That guy was probably like, holy shit, look at that guy's laser sword. And he still beat Lando. In, fair, in fairness, they asked a politician to go. They asked the, the city controller the to, to go and handle shit. Of course he fucking fell off there. <laughs> His tie got caught and he went overboard. <laughs> he wasn't wearing his cape. I feel like a, a cape. I wish his cape would have gone. Of the Star Wars universe. It's very formal. Yes, it is. It really is. Like, think about it, Darth Vader. Or like a hooded, like the like what Luke has. A bow tie. A hood. <laughs> Only certain people, only Jedi's can pull off the, the bow tie. Yeah. If, if Jedi were on planet Earth, they'd all have bow ties. Uh, 
They'd all be hipsters. They're hipsters or black dudes. <laughs> they can pull off the, the bow beards. tie. Or they all have beards. Hipster beards. Well, Lando has like Lando's Empire cape has that like really thick collar on it. So oh, he's fuck. wearing like because a it's weighted. It has to be that way. <laughs> no, the collar's weighted so it stays on his yeah. shoulders because there's no yeah. Because when he gets punched, me, it, there's no when he gets punched in like, the face, it just flops off. <laughs> And, and what was the first thing he did? He, he wasn't was, even up yet. He's putting his thing back on. You damn goofball. That's the fanciest of games. It really is. Because you, it's just held on with swagger. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like nothing else. Welcome to episode 130 of the McSauce Comic Book Podcast. My name is Paul McGinty. With me, as always, are Ian the Sauce Sharply. Hello! And Matt Casal. What's going on? It is December 1st, a Tuesday night here at the McSauce Studios. We are a mere 18 days away from Star Wars The Force Awakens. <gasps> so tonight, we're going to talk about the Captain America Civil War trailer. Woo! with a little side of Batman little, v Superman. Batman v Superman cranberry sauce. But a big dessert of what's wrong with the prequels. <laughs> We're gonna save, have some, some room in our podcast bellies for all that Star Wars dessert goodness. For some prequel pie. Right? I guess so. Prequel pie. You wanna do housekeeping? I can do some housekeeping. McSauce.com is the dinner table for all of the McSauce goodies that we have for you. We have a main course of podcasting, a heaping helping of web comics, a little teeny side of comic book reviews. McSauce.com is a place where you can check out all those good things. The easiest way to make McSauce part of your daily routine is to like us on Facebook. So if you go to facebook.com slash McSauce, hit the old like button. You can follow along with us. We update that page from all the stuff that we do on our homepage, as well as interesting comic book, TV, and film-related items that we find. So go to the Facebook page. You can subscribe to the podcast in a variety of different ways. So there's no excuse not to be a religious listener to the greatest podcast that I have ever been a part of. You can subscribe via the iTunes wait, wait, store. Wait, 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 wait. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, I mean, no offense, but you kind of sold us short there. <clears throat> the greatest podcast you've ever been a part of. I've heard some of the podcasts that you've been a part of. Nothing to write home about. I'm just Zinger. <laughs> I'm just teasing. Zinger. But, but what I'm saying, we're the greatest podcast known to man. We cover comic books, we cover movies, we cover Halloween. We do it all here at the McSauce Comic Book Podcast. Name me name me a trifecta better than comic books, movies, and Halloween. Go ahead, try it. I don't know, I think we've even covered candy bars pretty in-depth at one we point. Candy bars, Star Wars, and porno. And gum. We've covered gum. <laughs> yeah. Big, Big gum. gum. That's we've where you referenced the, the episode Gum Jungle. 
Where can people find Gum Jungle, Ian? If you go to mcsaucepodcast.libsyndication.com, you can find all of the archived, old-timey, good McSauce episodes, different intro music, a little bit different vibe that we had. I don't know if we argued more back then or if we argue more now. You know, I don't feel like we've had a good argument in a while. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> a good volume raising, get out of your chair argument. Scream yeah. fest. Just yeah. One where you're just angry the day afterwards. A, like, I fucking hate those guys. A, a friendship threatening, uh, just just balls to the wall. What, was, what was the last one? I don't really remember. The last time that I got insanely mad and upon listening back to my reaction to something that you guys said, I was embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> it was the the preacher conversation when we were talking about what AMC was going to do and I got really mad at Matt and I apologize because <laughs> I shouldn't I have gotten... I got so upset and I was like, you didn't even read the back to it and I was like holy fuck you little girl what's wrong with you why were you so mad you said something really harmless like I don't think that they're going to be able to do the source material justice and I got so pissed <laughs> off and in retrospect you're 100% right wait it hasn't come out yet though only a trailer yeah but you're uh, I'm gonna side with you you're probably you have more 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 of a chance of being right than I do. I mean, AMC, just from that trailer, it looks like they've strayed very far from the source material or not doing the things that we want, so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's the last time that I remember getting embarrassingly angry on the podcast. I don't remember what the last argument is. I remember Matt taking pictures of it. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, there was one in between there. Yeah, I forget what it was. You, but the, the, two, the two big ones were are Luke and Han still friends 30 years later? <laughs> and The Purge. And The Purge. The Purge was the biggest one that spilled over into our daily multiple lives. Multiple episodes. <laughs> multiple episodes. We brought people, <laughs> listeners of the show, people that don't give a shit about the show, to this innocent day, bystanders. I've never seen either Purge movie. Yeah. I haven't either. I haven't. It's available on, it's on demand, and I look at it all the time, and I'm like, no, now's not the time to watch The Purge. I think the, the Godzilla stuff was, was up there, too. Yeah. The, it wasn't quite as, um... Incendiary. Incendiary. It wasn't laced with such, uh, what's the word, the V word, vitriol. Ah, yes. And... But at the same time, it lasted like eight episodes in a row where every episode we were just like, you're a fucking idiot. No, you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> I know that we had one of the early ones was the, uh, I think it's Dwayne Johnson gets hit by a bus. That but might be my all-time favorite. Uh, we were talking about Batman and Superman. From and The Dark Knight Returns. Very timely because, Paul, as you know, the latest... Um, Dark Knight Returns sequel just came out this the Master past Race. Week. The Master Race, The Dark Knight Returns 3, written by none other than Frank Miller and drawn by Andy <clears throat> or it could be Adam Kubert and co-written by Brian Azzarello. It's one of the Kubert brothers. Do we know which one? 
Off the top of our heads, no. I'm but if you say, keep talking... I'm gonna say it's Adam Kubert. Yeah, I think it's probably Adam as well. I've always been a bigger fan of Adam. Andy's work always felt a little too loose. Really? I, mm-hmm. I feel like I always liked Andy a little better, but... Not surprising. Not surprising. You and I are two fucking sides of the same coin. That's it right. is Andy Kubert. We were both wrong. Yeah, yeah, we were. No, were we? Yeah, we were. Yeah. Like the Klaus <clears throat> Johnson so, is on the inks. I know that we strayed a little bit from housekeeping, but I want to bring it back just for a second, Ian. Um, there was one other thing that you were going to touch on tonight. Right. And uh, do you want to go ahead and tell the listening audience what that one thing is? I will. Uh, we are in the third consecutive year of taking donations for the Toys for Tots charity. It's really easy to help us out. We've received some donations, but we really need a little bit more support to help others. So like I said, it's really easy to donate. If you go to mixsauce.com, you scroll down to the bottom of the page on the right hand side of the page, you see the donate, click, type in the amount, boom, instant happy boys and girls. That's all you have to do. Right, so just to reiterate what we do every year is we take all the money that we accumulate from your donations and we go to Toys R Us and we go on a superhero slash Star Wars shopping spree. Basically, we let the inner child and each of us, the three of us, out and buy all the shit that we feel like we would have liked when we were kids. So basically, if we talk about it here on the show, we're buying the toy version of it. And it's something that I think we've just kind of grown accustomed to. This is going to be the third year, and I'm sure as long as we do this podcast, we're going to do this charity. And, um, you know, we're kind of douchey the rest of the year, so this is the one time where we really feel good about ourselves. And it's, it's like, it's probably the, the, my, my most feel-good moment of the year every year. So help us, you know, have the biggest, um, the biggest outpouring of Toys for Tots that we've ever uh, done. Um, I know last year was pretty significant, too, but... Uh, I think we can beat that this year. <clears throat> the deadline for donations is December 11th, so that's coming up, Ian. Time is running out. If you could please, if you if you are so inclined, any amount of donation would help help us help kids. Like I said, really super simple. Just go to the bottom of our page and click the donate button. It'll come right to us, and all proceeds go to Toys for Tots. So. We would really appreciate it. So before we get into the Captain America Civil War trailer, I think we should pause this recording so I can watch it again. Okay. Hang in there, folks. Buck. Do you remember me? Your mom's name is Sarah. He used to wear newspapers in your shoes. You're a wanted man. I don't do that anymore. Well, the people who think you did are coming right now. They're not planning on taking you alive. Captain, while a great many people see you as a hero, 
There are some who'd prefer the word vigilante. You've operated with unlimited power and no supervision. That's something the world can no longer tolerate. I know how much Bucky means to you. Stay out of this one. Please. You only make this worse. You saying you'll arrest me? There will be consequences. Captain, you seem a little defensive. Well, it's been a long day. If we can't accept limitations, we're no better than bad guys. That's not the way I see it. Sometimes I want to punch you in your perfect teeth. I just want to make sure we consider all our options. Because people that shoot at you usually wind up shooting at me too. You know what's about to happen. Do you really want to punch your way out of this? What do we do? We fight. Sorry, Tommy. You know I wouldn't do this if I had any other choice. But he's my friend. So was I. Welcome back from our brief hiatus to watch Captain America Civil War trailer and the uh, brief 40-some seconds of Batman v Superman clips, clip, singular. So, uh, what do you gentlemen want to start with? Captain America, man. Yeah? More beef to talk Are you about excited? there. Yeah, I, I'm excited. I think that it might be a darker toned movie that we were looking for with Ultron that we ultimately didn't get. I think we were all really happy with Winter Soldier last year and this is from the same creative team featuring a lot of the same returning actors, only a little bit more beefed up storyline so I'm excited. Yeah, I'm pretty excited too. <laughs> Why is that funny? It was just the your delivery was funny. Oh, thanks. So I'm excited as well because it looks like this one's going to have the emotional tone that was lacking in Age of Ultron. Age of Ultron, or Age of Ultron, if you want to say it correctly, uh, it really had no kind of soul to it. It felt kind of soulless. This two-minute, three-minute trailer for Captain America... I feel like there's more soul in that trailer than there was in the entire movie of Age of Ultron. Um, it looks semi-tragic almost with like the way at the very end of the trailer, which is probably the iconic shot of the trailer where Cap and, and, and Bucky are beating the crap out of Iron Man. And then there's that line, you know, I'm sorry, but he's my friend. And then Tony Stark says, well, so was I. And it's almost like just just a tragic situation it within the context of the trailer it does what the comic book failed to do which is as a viewer make me conflicted i don't know whose side i'm on i like both of these guys like i i i don't know what to do but in the comic book tony stark was an evil fuck and it was clearly obvious 
you you need to side with Captain America and his crew. I think it's a little bit of the charm of Robert Downey Jr., Absolutely. especially the fact that he's carried this entire universe on his back for years and years and years, and now the filmmakers are, are making you putting you in the position to maybe question his intentions or if he's right or not because he's think, been correct I don't think you question Tony at all in this trailer. When I watch this trailer, just like the comics, I'm 100% Team Tony. They're fucking double teaming Iron Man at the very end, and I'm like, you fucking pricks. Well, I, I think, I mean, you already had an opinion, but for the new viewers, I think, it's I, the first time that people that have loved Iron Man and they can't get enough of... Robert Downey Jr. This is the first time that they're like, oh, well, maybe, maybe he's not right. Yeah, but do you get anything from this trailer that he's not right? Yeah. Well, but but you're asking me who already has an opinion but, on this entire yeah, but, plot. I mean, but it, this has nothing to do with from the from this trailer. Yeah, it looks like uh, possibly unfair prosecution. It seems oh, like they're yeah. go. It seems like well. It seems like the plot of this story, Paul, is that they're going after Bucky for something that maybe he didn't do. That's what I was picking up from that, and he's running from maybe something that he's not responsible for. See, I think I think Bucky is responsible for whatever he did in Winter Soldier, and that's what they're going after him. That for. That was my impression, but. Cap knows he's not the same Bucky. Cap and Falcon track him down. They know he's he's reformed. He's coming around. He's not under their control anymore. But at the same time, the government's like, hey, you guys totally fucked this up. And Captain America, you're the face of this fuck up in Sokovia. So you're the one we need to come down on. Right. And I, I think but they're too... And add to that that they're like, look, you fucked up Sokovia... And you're trying to help the most wanted guy in America. What are you doing? To that, Captain America can say, well, that whole organization that you entrusted with the safety of the world, S.H.I.E.L.D., turned out to be fucking Hydra, so I don't trust you. I'm not going to surrender all of my information and give you everything that you want to do with me because you're just as bad as the things that you're accusing me of doing. Yeah. Touche. Well done. Ian's never made a counterpoint that effective <laughs> ever on this show. And that's not to go, say that you... Go back in the archives and you won't find one. That <laughs> well thought out. That was really good. That was well, well put. Because I was kind of on Paul's side, but I didn't commit. So then, like, I kind of take the whole thing in, and yeah, you won. Just like Captain America is going to be yeah. Iron Man. Now, here's the thing. Who's on Iron Man's side? L looks like, you know, War Black. Machine. is War Machine and Were you going to call him Black... Uh, Black Machine? Black Machine, <laughs> Black Iron Man. Well, it looks like... I think that all black the... Black Man. He's got, he's got all the Blacks. He's got Black Iron Man... Black Widow and Black Panther. It's got the minority. No, Black vote. Panther's on Cap's side, isn't he? I thought that no, Black Panther. It looks like Cap's chasing him, and you're confusing him with Black Falcon. <laughs> ah, Black Falcon. Okay. So he doesn't have all the blacks. Not to be confused with Black Knight, who hasn't been in a Marvel movie yet. Not yet, and spoiler alert: he's not black. That's why. But maybe we'll see Black Lightning in Batman v Superman. Hopefully. Hopefully. But uh, I feel like. 
like Tony's team is a little bit limited. I mean, I feel like Cap's got the heavy hitters on his side. Am I wrong? Well, who else could he have? Let's think about this. Well, he's got a lot of the Avengers. Well, actually, he doesn't. It looks like Thor is nowhere to be seen. Thor is nowhere to be seen. He's got Hawkeye, Black Widow, Ant-Man, Falcon, and Scarlet Witch. Scarlet Witch is on his side? Yeah, she's in one of those running pictures. Wait, wait, wait. Black Widow's on Cap's side? I feel like Black Widow is on Tony's side because she's... Throughout that trailer, she's trying to talk Captain America out of doing whatever he's doing. Now, I was going to say, that creates a really interesting kind of um, romantic dynamic if you have to, like, almost put these, you know, Cap and Black Widow on opposite sides of the war. But then again, she, you know, um, had a thing with with, uh, Bruce Banner. She had a thing with Thor. She had a thing with... Uh, Hawkeye. Did she have a thing with Thor? She had, I don't know, probably. It was off screen. <laughs> I think she you're just a, assuming. Right. She had a thing with Alfred, everybody. <laughs> she went cross, cross uh, property. I liked what the relationship that her and Captain America had in Winter Soldier way more than how they kind of shoehorned oh, all that stuff in. It was bad. With in, Age in of Avengers Ultron. Too. It just felt so fake, so false. Um, there's no real reason for her to. I know they built. Oh, I'm a monster, and you know I, that's. So that's why I sympathize with you. That's why I'm in love with you because I'm a monster too. No, yeah, how about like your? Because he's a good guy. How about not crazy? Because he how looks about like I'm Mark a, Ruffalo. I'm a super yeah. spy. Yeah. Or a super soldier, just like you, Captain America. And it seemed like they had more in right, common. Right. It just made more sense. Better chemistry by those two actors too. Agreed. Yeah, didn't we didn't we go into Age of Ultron after that first trailer? Like, oh man, this is gonna be the one. Look how creepy you know, uh, he's cutting we, all the strings. We, we oh thought, shit, we this is gonna be, be terrifying. We thought it would have a dark edge to it, but I don't think any of us were all that excited about it. It was just like, mm, here we go, we'll watch it. But like, yeah. we weren't. I, none of us were frothing at the mouth. Is if it was the Infinity Gauntlet, which I'm pretty sure we're gonna go crazy for because I know Ian, you're a big fan of that comic book series, and I know I am. Like it was a major part of my comic book formative years. Like when I was first getting into comics, that was the crossover event to end crossover events. And you know what? Up until Valiant's um, the Valiant, it it pretty much was the crossover event of all time. I'm still holding out hope with the news this week that Fantastic Four 2 has been taken off the schedule, that something's going to happen with those properties. They're going to shift over to Marvel somehow so that we can get Silver Surfer, Galactus, all those cosmic properties that would make Infinity War just that much more awesome. And we still have some years. Maybe it'll happen. It it almost feels like it's going to happen because, like, it's taken this long to get there because they've been teasing and hinting the infinity gauntlet for five years now it feels you know and it's like and it's still a few years away so that shit it it just feels like it's gonna come together it just kind of has i don't know i have this gut feeling where it's gonna happen but speaking of like um these properties that are kind of you know getting rolled into the fold here um spider-man Spider-Man's supposed to be in the new Captain America movie. 
I did not see Spider-Man in the trailer, and I thought we would see a, a, a hint or a flash or something. Yeah. So well, how much do you think that Spider-Man's going to be in this film? Like, to what extent? I, I guess I thought pretty significant, actually. I thought he was going to have a, a big role because he has a big role in the comic book series. Not only that, but it's his debut in the Marvel U, right? I don't think you just want to do a cameo. I mean, like, he doesn't have to be the main character, but he's, it needs to be significant. Otherwise, just save him. You know, like yeah. if, if you need to tease him, just do it, like mention him or something. Like, I, I can't imagine showing him for a scene or something and then be like, oh, yeah, check back with us in a year and a half when we release the Spider-Man movie or whatever. Well, maybe I can't imagine him not doing some kind of promo for this movie heavily featuring Spider-Man. It looks right. like the role that Spider-Man would have played, sort of like the in-the-middle character that Tony and Steve are fighting for their for their allegiance. That's it, not that not that Winter Soldier is going to go over to Tony's side, but he seems like he's a focal chess piece to the plot of this film. Where See, I feel you could easily like kind of put Spider Man in there, and I feel like that's more Black Widow in this trailer. Um, you know, she may agree what with makes you... Iron Man, but at the same time, she's friends with Steve, and she's like, hey, man. But what from that trailer makes you think that she's ever going to turn over to Steve's side? It seems like she's she's like, yeah, we should probably side with the government. You need to do the right thing, Steve. Right, and then you know, maybe at some point in the movie, the government pulls some complete bullshit, and they're like, oh. She's As they always fuck. do. That's why you don't trust them. She's like, I right, can't believe these guys did this. Steve, you were right the whole time. You know, I feel like she's, just from this one trailer, she's more of a swing character than Winter Soldier is, and Spider-Man isn't even in it. But I can't imagine Iron Man not promote, not being like, hey, Spider-Man's in this, everyone. Spider-Man's in it. Come see Spider-Man. Spider-Man's going to be in this. It's not like Luke Skywalker, where his absence is a tease. No one gives a shit about seeing fucking Spider-Man. So, like... <laughs> wait, 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 wait. I know what you mean. You just said it shitty. People no, do, in fact, give a shit about Marvel's biggest character. It's but he's not, like... He hasn't been given his due diligence the way Thor the way Captain America, the way Iron Man have gotten. Right. And There's now, no track now, record in this universe. Right, and now he's going to get it. Everybody's convinced he is going to be treated better than ever, and this is going to be the best rendition ever, and it might be. And, uh, and I think that's something to get excited about and something to promote. So so people do give a shit. Do you think that he's going yeah, to be... Yeah, but not to the level. Not, not, to the, not to the level that you can leave Spider-Man out of all promotion for this movie and two weeks before release people are gonna be like why isn't spider-man on the poster ah! i feel like we might not even get spider-man in co we might get peter parker but i'm not sure we're gonna get spider-man in costume the way that we he was so integral to the i, to the I know i know man i'm it, just saying one thing that uh one of my big takeaways from this movie is that um this movie, more than any of the other stable of Marvel movies, felt dark to me, like, color-wise. I felt like all the characters had dark costumes. 
you know, they all they all look like they were walking down the street wearing like black leotards or whatever. Like Captain America's outfit is darker blue than it's ever been, and they don't have that like larger than life colorful superhero quality they feel that this almost looks more like a dc movie than a, like like joss whedon's avengers looked more it colorful. wasn't it, this trailer wasn't so cinematic but it's definitely desaturated it has it has um winter soldier colors winter yeah. soldier's not a vibrant bright movie it no, looks like a not. real movie it, you know it's a spy movie. it looks like you know real life it's a spy film right. with super soldiers and capes right yeah but even like characters that we know are are bright and vibrant and shiny in other movies look so desaturated and, and was that like a conscious decision like hey you know what because the the tone of this movie is going to be so serious and it looks like some really bad things are going to go down like some real strong relationships are going to break um you know, important characters are going to die. We need to, like, bring the colors down, too, to match the tone of the movie. I'm sure that was a consideration. <clears throat> are you upset or worried that the tone, like, just the w- appearance and aesthetic has changed? The aesthetic, I almost would prefer if it stayed consistent. Because I don't think you have to have that visual, like, um, seesaw kind of thing. It's like, oh, well... the you know the the emotional tone is this therefore the visual has to match it like think about um you know Zack Snyder's uh Watchmen you know really serious subject matter dark content but yet very colorful and vibrant it was to me a very awesome juxtaposition of seeing those two things kind of at play whereas this is very kind of like everything matches a little bit too perfectly well you have to even you have to keep in mind that this is a Captain America movie and for the Captain America franchise be it war or spy espionage or you know spy espionage superhero stuff in this one they it does fit within that franchise it's not an Avengers looking movie which are all colorful bright vibrant things but this isn't technically an Avengers movie no it's not but it is the same character and you know it's pretty much the same costumes like even you know, Iron Man is wearing basically the same armor. Like he, you know, Ar- Iron Man doesn't get up one day and think, you know, I'm gonna be kind of serious today, so I'm gonna wear my darker colored. armor. Or does he? Did you see Iron Man three? <laughs> yeah, I right. think he does that shit. Just his yellow kind of mustard armor. But I felt like they went back to a better color combination for Iron Man's armor in this movie. It was too yellow in, the, in last, the last one. It was too tan. Tan? Yeah, I guess it so. wasn't yeah. even gold anymore. Yeah. It was fucking like red and tan but i feel like this one gets back back more toward the red and gold yeah yeah even though he unjustly gets his ass kicked by two lawless vigilantes by the end of the <laughs> fucking trailer i i feel like i felt bad for for tony stark because he even know, says that line too. like but i was your friend too and he's beaten up he's, he's got the black up, eye right? and like, it's i feel for i mean like i that line of dialogue is what hooked me into this trailer. Yeah, it's... Going into it, I was like, ho-hum, more Marvel stuff, more, you know, Avengers, blah, blah, blah. And then I watched it, and then, um, you know, Cap's so serious, he was my friend. And we just see Rhodey lying in, Cap- lying in Iron Man's arms on the ground, and I expect Iron Man to be equally badass and say, well, he was my friend, too. 
but he doesn't. Yeah. He's real soft and sensitive. He says, "We were friends." That was that. That's that. And I was like, <laughs> Downey Jr. Jr. acting chops. It totally got me in that moment. I was like, "Yeah, I'm in." It is. I'm the, in. Let's do it. It is the difference between the comic books and when you add an actual charismatic actor that can carry that role and and make you side with maybe a side that you don't feel is just. You know, because I, man, I think that's a little bit. I think that's selling comic books a little short to say that while. Robert Downey Jr.'s charisma is undeniable. I believe that you can get that emotional, um, uh, like pulling on the heartstrings in a comic book if it's well written and well drawn. If that's your intention, maybe that. And, and maybe that's not the intention of the one or two creators who that the put original, that product. Right. Up. Who was the original writer? Mark Miller. Mark Miller. Mar- Mar- Does Mark Miller is he capable of kind of um, really playing with your emotions as a writer, or does he just kind of make like entertaining, crazy things? <laughs> I don't think that he's the kind of guy that's gonna that's gonna force me to exhibit an emotion other than excitement or you know wonder or but, disgust or disgust. Right? Yeah, if I if I had to, that's a good point. If I had to, you know, guess all the or rattle off all the things I think Mark. Miller is great at writing. Like love and soft emotions would not be right. one of them. Like, There's no yeah. action and you know yeah. subtlety dis- is not right. is not a tool. Like he has. yeah, absolutely. But like something like that, yeah, it's probably yeah, maybe no. that's not it. Mark Miller is usually the kind of guy that's cranked up to eleven with his storytelling, and he doesn't know how to turn it down to about a one or a two. Maybe the failings of that comic book series made the creators of this film take a look and say maybe we need to add some nuance to this character i don't feel like generally speaking you know amongst the critics or the you know the fanboy community at large that civil war is looked at with much of a critical eye i think it's pretty much like adored by most fans and critics and creators as being one of the best crossovers of all time and it it had the potential to be but it had a really bad ending, and it also didn't maximize its potential by truly creating two opposing sides that that could conflict. It was such an, a, a grand opportunity to conflict the reader, to get something out of a reader that that most stories can't do. Because usually you follow like the protagonist, and you root for him, and you want him to overcome evil or whatever... And this time, it it wasn't that, but it ended up being that. It was it was just poorly handled. But anyway, I digress. Let's talk about Batman and Superman. Another good guys punching each other in the face. Well, that's it. I don't think it was too long ago on this very show that we were upset that we're tired of good guys punching good guys. And now in next comics, year, in comics, in back-to-back months, we're yeah right. And now in our films, we're gonna get good guys punching good guys. Aren't we gonna be upset whenever Han Solo is fighting <laughs> Luke Skywalker <laughs> in a couple of days? JJ JJ Abrams wouldn't dare. He knows better. Does he? I hope so. <laughs> I hope so too. But does he? <laughs> I kind of threw it out there as a joke, but now I'm scared. I don't know. Is it gonna happen? <clears throat> Uh, Batman v Superman, um, 
clip premiered with Gotham last night. All, all over the internet now. Batman's chained up in some desert underground dungeon bunker thing. Yeah, underground yeah. bunker. Superman shows up, rips his mask off. Well, let's back up. They gritted each other. Let's back up. Is that it? Is that how it goes? They go, mm. Credits. Superman shows up, lands very hard on, Love the, it. on the ground. Lots of dust kicks up. Love the way Comes Zack hot. Snyder treats the weight and the proportions, just the gravity of these characters. In Man of Steel, it's going to translate to this movie, too. Absolutely love the way he comes in with such force. Right. So, when he lands, it looks like he has some soldiers or some kind of guards that are standing there with Superman S-shields on their on their arms. We'll I call it the Superman youth. Right. And and they all take a knee. The and Superman... Super Panther. They could be. I was going for Nazi symbolism. This, this was. We did um, black with uh, Captain America. This was a much quicker shot that was actually from the trailer, and we saw in the trailer, and Superman, if you know, you go frame by frame, which we here at the McSauce Comic Book Podcast have been known to do once or twice, and you see he looks really angry, but we didn't know why he was angry. We thought was he angry at these psychos that. You know, have taken his symbol and, and put it on their their sleeves, and now they carry guns. Or no, he's mad at Batman, as it turns yeah, out. He likes having his own army. Yeah, yeah, he fucking hired those dudes. Right. What the fuck is going on? Do we have any kind of like explanation for this? I do not. I don't know. It appears to me that Superman's bad. And that's. That's how they want you to feel, right? They want Superman to be a big bad guy. Batman. Lawless. Vigilante. Well, <laughs> yeah, clearly clearly, Batman is aligned with Captain America. I, I can't like, wait for that mashup. I feel like this clip purposefully shits on Superman. Look how angry he is. Look how mean he is. He's got everyone's favorite superhero, Batman, chained up in the bunker and then he rips his mask off how dare he and then treat he, Batman so poorly at the end he throws it on the ground and then they cut the black fucking credits he should have spit on his mask like you piece of shit speaking <laughs> of black what did you guys notice that Ben Affleck is wearing the black makeup around his eyes and then the, the mask is ripped off and what do you know he's got clean makeupless eyes I didn't yeah, notice that. No. I mean not I realize I'm splitting hairs but that happened in Batman Returns. Um, I believe it happened in one of the Christian Bale Batmans. It's a proud tradition of Batman. Right. To wear the makeup under the mask, but as soon as the mask comes off, somehow it like Are takes sure all the there makeup. Was makeup under the mask, or was it just really dark? I'm sure Because we didn't makeup. go through this frame by frame. We didn't. We did Those eye holes have to be... Studios. Those eye holes have to be a certain size for him to actually be able to see. It, trust and me. I'm, I'm going to say that it's Batman by CoverGirl on that. <laughs> and whatever. But anyway, I thought that was kind of amusing that, you know, Michael Keaton 25 years ago couldn't get away with it. And here we're going to try it again. But every other part of the... Batman Superman trailers we've seen sort of make sense you know Batman's causing some dust up in Metropolis Clark Kent's going after him in the press 
he's going after him as Superman, so, you know, he just stops, you know, mutilating thugs in Metropolis streets, Lex Luthor is involved, he's coming after him, you know, him, Luthor and Wayne are coming after Superman because of all the destruction, everything's sort of piecing together a little bit, but this fucking Batman in the desert shit, I'm like, what the fuck? How does this fit into <laughs> right, anything? Right. What? It, it looks like it's some kind of post-apocalyptic kind of That's like scenario. Bad Max. <laughs> Gotham Road. <laughs> <laughs> the thing that I take out of this. So, okay, they come face to face, right? Well, we already know that they come face to face a couple other times from the trailer. Superman rips apart the Batmobile and they stand chest to chest. There's another scene where Batman's in his Dark Knight Returns metal robot Batman outfit and they kind of meet up there. So this is the third time that they're like, <laughs> what the fuck? Like, which one's which one's the third time? Which one's yeah, the exactly? Time? Which what what's the first time? Because if this is the first time, because I feel like if he's taking his mask off and he's like, oh, so you're Ben Affleck, this is the first <laughs> time that he's meeting Batman. I think so. so and this feels very underwhelming. So if is the this is the first is time? Is the stand up in the Batmobile the third time? I think that's the second. The third time. The third time has to armor. be yes. That's when right. that's when Bruce Wayne's finally like, okay, motherfucker. You took my mask off before. You ripped my car apart. Try me now, bitch. I'm wearing my car as my mask. Right. Try to <laughs> try to punch me in the chest that's laced with kryptonite and see how that makes your fist feel. Yeah, I feel like that is the way that it's the that's the third meeting. Yes. But I hate that this could possibly be the first one where he's in the bat fucking trench coat. Maybe that's the second. Maybe the first one's the car. Well, what I, car what, I, what I do like, like I. Ian and I talked about this a little bit earlier. I hate Batman in the desert. I know all the Denny O'Neill, Neil Adams, Batman in the desert, Ra's al Ghul stories, or, you know, like apex of 70s and 80s Batman storytelling. It's such great stuff. I fucking hate it. Batman in the, in the desert is fucking stupid. Batman belongs in a fucking city. Batman Belongs. That sounds like the sequel to Batman Begins. Yeah, Batman in the Desert, all that stuff. I read it. I have a couple hardbacks over on the bookshelf of Not those stories. Fair. Like, you I get like, it. Do you not like it. Batman with a sword? I don't like Batman with a sword. I don't like him with a cowl and no shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you that. That's that that is disaster. Just, that's just Batman so, sex like, Batman right there. In the desert. Batman. Like, I understand Batman. Batman's capable of anything. He can do whatever he wants, go wherever he wants, unlimited resources. But Batman in the desert always looks fucking stupid. So, I don't know what, what they're doing with this. But I do like... How fucking awesome Superman is in this clip. He's unafraid. He doesn't give a shit. He's like, what the, who the fuck are you? And he doesn't pull any comic book bullshit of, I'm gonna respect your secret that you wear a mask. He's like, fuck this mask. Who the fuck are you coming after my shit? Oh, you're Ben Affleck. <laughs> like, like, Superman doesn't what if, give a fuck. In the fuck. movie, what if he's yes. like, it was like Argo was unbelievable. Right. The next the next line is Ben Affleck? That would have been awesome. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know, man. Like, there's a lot about this trailer that I'm just cut this teaser that I'm just like, uh. I, I'm fine with it to be honest. I think uh, even though not a single word is spoken, 
lots of emotion going on. And that's like kind of the, the theme of the night here with these trailers. All kinds of emotion. And um, it... Both Henry Cavill and Ben Affleck... Like, Ben Affleck looks scared. But then when the mask comes off, it was almost like he was afraid to have his identity revealed, not of the fact that Superman could, like, crush his head like a grape. Because once the mask comes off, he looks more pissed, like, than scared. Well, he should be pissed because he got captured by the Superman youth. That's the part that I'm upset with. Batman got kidnapped, captured. And it looked like That's he had stupid. Batman went in with his allies. <clears throat> like, Superman has his army and Batman had some allies or whatever. Yeah, yeah. there are a couple other guys chained up chained, there. Yeah, I and saw them. As, as much as I'm not a fan I don't of, like all of that. all the Bat God stuff where Batman can do anything, Batman can beat the Death Star, blah, blah, blah. I do think Batman should be able to infiltrate wherever he's infiltrating and not get fucking captured. Yeah, isn't he by not By someone, by a bunch of fucking nameless rabble that aren't Superman. Well, right. So we're trying to kind of put some pieces together that we don't have. We're seeing this totally out of context. So I'm willing to completely reserve judgment because what I did see looked pretty cool even though I don't fucking get what I was looking at. It does look cool, I, I admit, but with using the context clues of the other trailers and the pieces that we've like linked together... It's a little disturbing how the story could possibly go for me. That said, I'm fucking amped. I can't wait for this movie to come out. I would say this 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 uh, little excerpt did what it was supposed to do. We are pretty passionate about this, you know, thirty some seconds of nonsense. Yeah. Yeah. So why don't we get into some more nonsense? The Star Wars prequels. You know, it's funny, we're going from a couple trailers that exuded emotion, and now we're going to talk about some movies that lacked emotion in the Star Wars prequels, because some people feel that some of the major roles in those movies were, were miscast. Uh, a couple dealy chili wheelies ago, the dealer's choice wheel, uh, that we call on fans to submit um, questions and topics for us. Uh, my brother said, my brother asked, would the prequels have been better if Jake Lloyd and Hayden Christensen were recast with better actors? Mm -hmm. And we thought that we could probably dedicate a pretty good chunk of time to that, so we kind of put it aside and saved it for tonight. So, do we think that would be the case? Do we think that the acting was the main culprit to the character of Anakin maybe not coming across the way we wanted him to. Would we have liked these movies better with different actors? I think a fatal flaw in The Phantom Menace for me is having a child portray who would the person that would grow up to be Darth Vader. I don't need to see a child Darth Vader. I just don't. A teenage Darth Vader... A young man, Darth Vader, those are all okay to me. But a little kid, Darth Vader, developing a relationship with... And we talked about... I think we talked about this last episode. The age gap between Natalie Portman and Jake Lloyd bothers me. I don't think that... I think that undercut some of the romance that they built in the second film. It's too weird at that stage of their lives. Even if... Like, he's nine, 
and she's twenty twelve at that point or so. Like they're they're 25. they've aged they've aged in enough at those two ages that even though it's only three years, it may as well be fucking thirty. I thought she was fourteen. <clears throat> I'm being think- generous. But I, you, you you understand. What I saying. think she was fifteen. Like, and I know we're fucking nitpicking a a, a a year here and there. But when you're talking about people of those ages, a year matters a great deal. It, it was awkward. Like you know, you can a twenty five year old can meet a thirty two year old, and it's no big deal. But like a nine year old and a fifteen year old, like it's just so awkward from the get-go. So that Without was, anyone even yeah. speaking dialogue, just seeing those two characters in the same space, you're like, because you know what the setup is. You know how things wrap up. Right. Um, but would would a more suave nine-year-old actor be able to pull that off and you could be like, you know what? Little players got game. Don't we have, we have somebody in mind, don't is, Isn't there like a young actor that we always call upon well, Haley Joel Osment is the gold standard for nine-year-old acting. Right, yeah. Matt? Isn't that... Don't you always call him? I don't know if I always call him. I feel was, like you do. That's always, who I was thinking of. He was always kind of strange, you know? He was like a, a strange child. Which is why he was he so could, good he in could the act, sense. Right, he could act way better than Jake Lloyd, but let's be fair. But his <laughs> only gear was strange. Right, right, right. Jake Lloyd was a bad actor. I agree. He was... I realize a lot of people are like, he was nine. You know, give him give him a break. He was bad for a nine-year-old. Let's be real. You know, he was he was a bad... He had no business being in Hollywood. His parents wanted him to be, to be a fucking actor, and they somehow landed him some great gigs through, I don't know what means. Like, you guys have seen the screen tests or whatever, where they have um, these different children... Um, acting with Natalie Portman they were trying to find the right chemistry and they had these other little boys with Natalie Portman and I remember it was down between three people you guys saw this right I've never seen it I've never seen it it's like a you know why Ian why Paul because we're not Star Wars fans that's right it was like I think it's on the DVD for the Phantom Menace and they have um, these these uh, kid actors like it was down to three different kids and they weren't sure which to go with they had the the casting director robert robin gerland and and working with um rick mccallum the producer at the time and george lucas and they were just trying to figure out which one of these three kids they even had like their their pictures you know and there was one kid with his picture and he's like looking at the at the camera like and you can see the gleam in his teeth and he, he looked like a much more mature um, kid than Jake Lloyd, the kid that we ended up getting. Like Jake Lloyd felt like a like a like a feeble little kid, like a like a little kid. Not a convincing pod racer. Right. Yeah. There there was no like edge to him whatsoever. There was no competence. No. No. His delivery was just just awful almost in every sequence that he's in. I mean, he was truly bad. So swap out Jake Lloyd for this 
kid with the lens flare on his teeth that you're talking about. Right. Uh, yeah, it would have been better. It would have yeah. been. I mean, yeah, there's no doubt. You, you still don't think it would be off-putting, the age gap? I mean, I no, can't I, get past it. I wanted to address that next. No, I actually have no issue with it um, because I don't think that the romance is played up. Clearly, Anakin has a crush, but it's not reciprocated by the other girl. Like, she you know, likes the kid, but there's no romantic interest whatsoever on her part. It's only maybe a little bit uncomfortable because we know what's inevitably going to happen in 10 or 15 years. But, like, taking it at face value for what was going on at the time was no big deal. Like, it was just... Like, I'm sorry, if I was 9 years old and I saw Natalie Portman looking like that in the desert, I would have had a crush, too. And I wouldn't have been able to, like, hide it or conceal it. So, whatever. Did you ask her if she was an angel? Yes. Over and over, I would have. Um, I don't care how cheeseball that, that line is, because, you know what? It worked. It worked. Took about ten years, but it finally came together. It was a slow, <laughs> she working line. She was like, you know what? I actually... I know, am. Yeah, so I, I, I also get what you're saying, Ian, that, you know, it was a mistake to go as young as they did. Um, they clearly went young with Anakin because I don't know why if she's 15 they didn't make cast another 15 age. year old I mean they could tell they you could say are you an angel as a 15 year old and have that clunker come out the same exact way only be have yeah. it be a little bit more convincing cause hey man we were all saying yeah, that it was, shit it was weird because um we never expected Anakin to be a little boy. When we heard about Anakin Skywalker fighting in the Clone Wars and being a great pilot and this and that, we always expected him to be like Luke's age or maybe yeah. even older. Maybe even older. We never thought of him as a nine-year-old boy, especially not Jake fucking Lloyd. And that's what we got. And that was kind of disappointing because it didn't meet the vision kind of the fantasy that we that we came up with in our head. Well, I've been able to accept it for what it was, yeah. but better acting by Jake Lloyd or a different actor would have would have really helped. And but, you know, Jake Lloyd wasn't given much of a chance. You know, George Lucas hired a really bad actor and then he gave that bad actor some really bad dialogue to try to say. And if Jake Lloyd's not British, he can't pull that off because that <laughs> yeah. that language only works with a British accent. To to the point of the the age difference, I I think the main problem that I have is that some of the work in the convincing the audience that there is a budding romance, the heavy lifting all has to happen in Attack of the Clones. You can build that up if you have closer ages from those two actors so it's not such a leap so you don't have so much pressure in the second film if you did some of that work in the first film and I think that's that's the miss the great miss from The Phantom Menace that's the big miss? well I mean from uh, from what we're talking about tonight yeah I don't know I mean look Han and Leia's romance really didn't bud until the second movie and that was a raging inferno of passion in The Empire Strikes Back. True. And it was done over the course of one fucking movie. Whereas you're saying you need episode one to kind of get things rolling so that way it makes sense in episode two. I'm not sure I agree. Problem was, there was never any 
um, never any tension that Anakin and Padme were put under. Like, what? Why was it so convincing in The Empire Strikes Back with Han and Leia? Well, they were in life and death situations. They were on the run. They were just together. They had like this bonding experience that like you don't have every day. It was like an extraordinary kind of scenario. Whereas in Episode Two, you have. Um, walks in the park and, and talking about sand and you have picnics on ticks. They're just on vacation. Right, they're on vacation, yet like you're going to convince me that like this is the most romantic... Like, I just don't buy it. Like, put them... Have Anakin, like, have to save Padme's life. If he fucking saves her life. Like, Lois like, Lane fell in love with Superman. Or how Han Solo in the first film helped save Princess Leia. Right. Have him do something heroic like that. I mean, I guess he did kind of try to save her and stuff eventually, but, like, I'm talking... They're on the run, so what do they do? They go hide out and have dates. Well, what they should have yeah, done yeah. is be on the run and there's fucking more... Remember the bounty hunter tried to kill her in the beginning of the movie? I completely there forgot two or three more that they're actually... The reason why they're on vacation is because she almost got assassinated. Right. Let's there, be there wasn't any tension. More tension. More dramatic build-up. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so those were a lot of the... A lot of the misses, and while better acting would have helped, you know, the, I think the real problem, honestly, like, was the way that the story was handled and some of the dialogue that they were given. Again, the two actors that played Anakin um, don't have British accents. They weren't asked to, you know act with British accents, so this language is so stilted with an American dialect. It just kind of doesn't work as well. Um, especially in the prequels, because I feel like the prequels um, language tended to feel a little bit more, I don't know, classical, regal, like um, it was from a slightly more like refined period where like, you know, the whole fairy tale aspect was built up a little bit more versus the original trilogy. But they yeah. should have they should have hired better actors. What what Jake Lloyd did for me was he made me appreciate a good child actor <laughs> and everything I've seen since then. Because yeah. now I feel like the barometer has been set. What is the gold standard of child actor for you? Macaulay Culkin, Home Alone? Uh, it's, it's probably not Macaulay Culkin and in Home Alone. Maybe Home Alone 2. I feel like he had a little, more control, of his a little more control of his chops in Home Alone 2. I feel <laughs> like he was a little unwieldy in the first one, as good as it was. Mm -hmm. Any of the crew from Goonies, are they child actors at that point? Or are they, uh, like they were a little teen older. actors? They were a little older than that. Man, I watched that. They've been playing... A bunch of 80s movies on VH1 this weekend for Thanksgiving throwback weekend. Man, Josh Brolin is old in that movie. And Goonies? Yeah. How old I, is he in Goonies? He looks way older than those the rest of those kids. Yeah, but he's probably like... If they're like 14, he's probably 19. Yeah, he looks like he stepped onto the set of No Country for Old Men right after he did Goonies. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I don't think I, I don't think I have a gold standard of 
of what a child actor Edward Furlong? <laughs> Terminator 2, anyone? So my, my, my final answer is it doesn't matter who you throw in as, as Anakin in Phantom Menace. There's enough weird stuff in there for me that even if those lines are delivered spot on, it's only going to help marginally. Really? But if you replace Hayden Christian with Same. someone, Christensen, with someone that crushes it, I think that spins those last two movies in a much different direction for me. I think because like that's what I'm most interested in. I don't give a shit about the politics. I don't give a shit about Count Dooku and the Trade Federation and all that garbage. I give a shit about Anakin, Obi-Wan, and Padme. And if all those relationships are acted well and if all the chemistry is hitting and everything is coming together, then I think all the other flaws, the death sticks and all that nonsense, I think I can just put to the side and I can forget about it. Mm -hmm. If that performance is convincing, if it's delivered right, if you know, if you believe Anakin and Padme are really they're really coming together. But like he, he it doesn't happen. Yeah. And that's like one step down the long road of these are I, I can't get into these movies. It's interesting because um in episode two, Hayden Christensen was pretty bad. But he was given some of the worst dialogue I've ever heard in a movie. I mean, he was... He, he literally says in that movie, and I quote, I wish I could wish my feelings away. What? What the fuck did you just say? Double wish? Yeah, that was a double wish. Same sentence. Too much wishing. Episode three, I felt like he was vastly improved as an actor. He was given better stuff, but he, he was better. He he actually did show some legit emotion in that movie. Did George have help writing the third film? He had help writing the second film. Oh, really? Nathan Hales was the, the script doctor that came in and helped him write episode two because some of the criticisms of episode one was, you know, dialogue's a little stilted, you know, yeah. you might want to... Because he had help writing... The Empire Strikes Back, and he had help writing Return of the Jedi, which, compared to the original A New Hope, had much, much better dialogue. Like, you know, there were no lines like, hokey religions and ancient weapons are no match for a good blaster your side. Like, that's a that's a George Lucas line right there. And, you know, it's funny. Delivered by Matt Cassell. Delivered by none other than me. But here's the thing. It's funny. He doesn't get crucified for cheeseball lines like that. But we're going to, like, get all over his nuts about, like, no need to report that to him until there's something to report. Yeah, he doubled up report in the same sentence in episode one. You remember. He's a notorious doubler. So, I agree with you, Paul. Hayden Christensen really, really tanked in episode two. And I feel I don't like... I don't like calling out Hayden Christensen's performance as a main flaw of those movies. They're not my biggest flaw. Plot and focus is the main flaws for me, but I don't like specifically calling him out for that reason because he was given turds and they were like, shine this shit up. And he's like, uh, grumpy. So wait, 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 wait. You're 
Pick one. What's your biggest flaw of the prequels? Focus. What does that mean? What the movies focus on. Okay. Ian? I think probably the acting is the biggest thing. Which is funny because, yes, it gives us some of the worst acting of the saga, but it kind of also gives us some of the best between, like, Ewan McGregor, Liam Neeson, uh, Christopher Lee. Like, those guys just brought it. Yeah. Ian McDermott, for God's sake. Like, Ian McDermott in episode three was amazing. And I'll tell you I what. Wouldn't, even I wouldn't say acting because I think the, the only bad acting is from Jake Lloyd, Hayden Christensen, and Natalie Portman. Everyone else, the only well, those are some of the main characters of the film. So well, right, but that have the yeah, most they are time. most screen time and everything. But everyone else kind of makes it happen. There's a lot of other main characters in those movies that do a good job. Ahmed Best, as reviled as Jar Jar is, he fucking commits. He brought it. Yeah. Well, you wouldn't say acting. Because you already said focus was your problem. I would say acting because the question was posed to me. Right, and I'm I'm arguing. Your opinion is stupid. And that's fine. You can say that. But I think that if that if there were some things changed there, as well as maybe some tweaks to dialogue and scripting, that would improve the overall uh, prequels. But I, I don't know, man. I don't know. How about you, Matt? What would you... It's so hard to focus on one thing because, to me, the, like while I'm a, a believer in the films, I think they're good and I think they tell a, a good story, I think that there's, there's so many... A culmination of flaws, like Death of a Thousand Cuts. But, like, the, to me, there's nothing that really, like, totally stands out Aside from probably the dialogue, I feel like the the dialogue is particularly bad. Um, like I feel like that's the most consistent flaw. Like whereas the acting, you it runs the gamut, good and bad. Focus again. I feel like sometimes it's just amazingly focused. Like in it, Sith, it focuses on some of the relationships that we want to see with Obi Wan and Anakin. You get to see the stuff, especially in the, in the end. You get to see the fight that you were Sith told about. Was, um, you know, it's funny because Sith was a bit of a kind of a flawed. The the flaws of that movie were inflicted by the predecessor movies. Like they didn't establish Anakin's fall um, enough in the previous films. So, therefore, Revenge of the Sith, it had to, like, hurry up and make, like, the most tragic of hero um, falls from grace in the span of, like, ten minutes. And it, everybody's like, oh, that wasn't believable. And it really wasn't. But, granted, Star Wars, everything happens at, like, breakneck speeds and, like, everything just happens so quickly. So, like, that's how I'm able to kind of roll with that punch. But, like, I think that if they had focused on his kind of eventual turn to the dark side earlier like in episode two like they kind of did it with the sand people 
but like it wasn't a consistent like downward slope it was like he did this one bad thing and then he was normal anakin again for a while until he, he just, should have been a he should have been a prick the entire time he should have progressing progressively became more of a prick do like, you think that it would have been reasonable t for natalie portman to fall in love with a prick it yeah. happens all the time the hot girls always fall in love with the pricks who does princess leia go on with han solo He's a douchebag up until the end of... But, her, like... Up until Jedi. Her other yeah. options are her brother, a Wookiee, some robots. <laughs> yeah, or any number of fucking princes on Alderaan. They're all dead. Pre-explosion. They're all fucking dead, Paul. <laughs> we don't know. Spoiler alert. <laughs> we don't know what a whore Princess Leia was back on Alderaan before they all got blown up. She was probably, like, banging them all all the time. Princess Leia has some shitty... She has shitty options. She can't even make the team, if you know what I mean. Six-man roster, can't even make it. But, Sitting um, on the bench. But anyway, to, to go back to the original question, because we are running a little long in the tooth here, uh, yeah, the movies would have been better with some better acting. Running a little old? Isn't that what long in the tooth is? Well, the podcast. Yeah. Did I fuck that up? Yeah. I'll edit that out. Okay. All right. Not right now. Let's finish recording. But anyway, the answer is yes. Yes, the movies could have been better with better acting. Or better actors. Because that was possibly the most important character in those movies. Right? Right. And yet it was twice. They fucked up. Twice. They, they fucked up both times. They're like, you know what? If we get the kid wrong, whatever. We got two more movies. We'll get a better actor. Nope. Nope. You got just oh. Uh, and halfway through filming clones, they were like, "Fuck, <laughs> did it again." <laughs> I don't know. Like I always. I wish like, I could wish this casting away. This woman was responsible for like hiring you and McGregor to be Obi Wan Kenobi, like. I can't even hey, you imagine. Some, you lose some. I can't even imagine another actor trying to pull that off. Like that dude is Obi Wan Kenobi, maybe more than Alec Guinness to me at this point. He has just taken such command of that character, and and at the same time, this woman that hired Ewan McGregor, well, he hired Jake Lloyd. I don't get it. Ewan McGregor, it's it's almost he almost pulled off the impossible. We grew up watching the original trilogy. You get a sense of who Obi-Wan Kenobi is. Just that brief time in his hovel explaining the Lou we fought in the Clone Wars with Father, blah, blah, blah. You get this just, you know, such a vague idea of what he's been through. What he, he was like. some spot appearances as a Force ghost here and there. So I'm like, oh, yeah, you have a sister. Yeah, but like, I mean... In the hovel, when he's talking to him, he's talking about the Clone Wars and what mm -hmm. he's been through, and it, the, these actual life experiences that he that he's had, and you get a sense of who Obi Wan Kenobi was as a young Jedi, as a young man, and each one of us, not just each of the three of us here, but Star Wars fans throughout the world, have a different idea of what that means, what that brief bit of dialogue informs each of us on about who that character is. And I feel like Ewan McGregor nailed that for the bulk of Star Wars fans. He gave us exactly what we all imagined he would be. And the rest of the prequels didn't really do that. Yeah, no. But he's the he's the one that really nailed our hopes and dreams for what 
our imaginations could have conjured for the prequels. No one else really had to go back and sit and had the task of, all right, you have to play the younger version of this, except for um, Ian McDermott, who, you know, he was doing the same role. He was like, that he hey, I played the older version. <laughs> he was like, oh, I got this. It's <laughs> fine. But nobody else had to do that. Right. So, I mean, that is um, a high bar for him to... Frank Oz did it. But Frank Oz was... I mean, it, it was the same voice actor. Yeah. Right. So. Okay. Nobody else knew was cast and put into a role that we already knew oh, right. how it was going. That's what right. I'm trying okay, to gotcha. say. If I was being. So, final answer. Phantom Menace, doesn't matter. It's still goofy. But if you recast Hayden Christensen, no offense to Hayden Christensen. I really hate shitting on the guy. Those movies would have been a lot more bearable. Well, I think we did say that maybe if you recast Jake Lloyd as somebody older, that might improve it as well. Well, that that's what I'm the saying. Dynamic in the story, right? But um, you know, it's here's the thing, Paul. Don't I, roll your eyes. I I, uh, that's true. You got well, okay, but maybe that's a good change. Episode two, well, yeah, I totally agree, but that's not is heavily flawed as an actor. Um, but uh, episode three, Hayden Christensen, I think, kind of refined a lot of the things that you know he failed in the first one, in his first stab at it, and that in turn gave us a much better movie. Content was better, yeah, but like, it, you know, it, it's no accident that it was a much much better movie than episode two. Acting was just better in it. It was just better. The bar was raised for that one. It really was. I agree. Like, to a point. Yeah. I, I mean, seriously, I think episode uh, I, I think Hayden Christensen was better in the third one. Yeah. Like, yeah. a lot better. I, I mean, because he was really bad in the first one. Or the second one. But um, I, I will say this about episode three. I really think that that's the movie that saved the prequels for me. Like, episode one, you know, I'm fully aware of its flaws. Episode two... I'm really aware of its flaws, although there are a couple cool things in it, but episode three just brings it, I think. And because it's listed, it's categorized as a prequel, it's shit on. Um, that's a, that's an argument for another day. (laughs) We're going to wrap it up here tonight. My name is Paul McGinty. Ian Sharpley. And I'm Matt Cassell. You are Matt Cassell. We'll see you next time. (laughs) 